So Romans chapter 12, verse 2, just the first half of that's where I want to start right now. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. All right, read that out loud with me. Here we go. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Okay, all the men in the room, read this with me. Here we go. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. All the ladies, join me. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now, it's the word pattern that I want you to focus on. There's a lot of words in that uh, scripture verse, but just focus on the word pattern, if you would, for just a couple minutes. Now, here's a question that everybody in the room has asked themselves over and over and over again. doesn't matter where you live. doesn't matter whether you're from Columbus, Ohio, and you live in Honolulu, Hawaii. Anybody from Columbus, Ohio? Okay. Anybody live in... in, in, in do you really? You're from Columbus? How about, how about Hawaii? We don't feel sorry for you at all, okay? Not at all. So no matter where you live, no matter your age, your race, your gender, we've all asked ourselves this question. Here's the question. Why do I keep doing this? Why in the world do I keep... Anybody in the room? You share that? Yeah? The rest of you need therapy because you're in denial because you've asked. Why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep going there? Why do I keep saying that? Why do I keep texting her? Why do I keep dating guys like that? Okay. Why do I keep marrying women like that? I've married three of them like that, and now I'm dating one. I mean, why do I keep marrying women? We've all asked ourselves, maybe we've not done that. We've all asked ourselves the question, why do I keep doing what I'm doing? Because I really don't want to do it. Why do I keep overspending? Why, why, why do I keep getting myself in debt? Why do I keep eating inappropriately? Why, why am I so critical of myself? Why is there so much like, like critical negatives? Why do I keep doing that? And everybody in the room, you've asked yourself that question. Over, it doesn't matter what season of life you're in. And so here's why I think this is significant today. And this is why I'm glad you came to church. I am excited about studying how do people change. And that little scripture verse says for us not to be conformed to the pattern of this world. Now, we all get ourselves in patterns, and they're very unhealthy. Sometimes we're in an unhealthy pattern, and we don't know how to get out of it, and we know it's not good for our faith. We know it's not good for our families. We know it's not good for our future. We know it's not good for our finances, but we're in an unhealthy cycle. We're in this unhealthy pattern, and we're not quite sure how to get out of it. Well, I'm excited about today. I'm glad you came because I think by the end of the message today, there are some solutions. There are some real ways to get out of some of the unhealthy patterns that we so quickly and so easily get ourselves into. So I'm stoked that you're you're here today. Here's what high performers do. And I've spent a lifetime, I'm, I'm interested in change. How do people change? And so whatever term you want to use, high performers, successful people, the Bible would use the word fruitful, the word fruitful would be the the biblical term. Whatever term that you want to use, high performers, successful people, fruitful people, they figured something out. And by the way, has nothing to do with IQ, has nothing to do with EQ, has nothing to do with race or gender or geography. Here's Here's what high performers have figured out. 
They figure out what isn't working, and they never go back. They figure out this is not working for me. This isn't helping my faith. This isn't helping my future. This isn't helping my family. And high performers are fruitful people. They figure this out, and they never go back. So by the end of the message today, I'm going to give you some hope and some clear-cut suggestions on how you can break some of the unhealthy cycles in your life. Now, we're in the book of Judges today, and the book of Judges is all about cycles. In fact, in the book of Judges, there are 13 cycles, and they're all the same. And all these cycles start one way, and there's like six more pieces to them, and every single one of these 13 are exactly the same. So as you read through the book of Judges this, this week, you will observe 13 patterns or 13 cycles, and they're all exactly the same. And so I just want to start by giving you one of those. I want to give you one of the 13, and this is called the Judges. Now, the Judges is a period in Israelite history when they don't have a king yet, there's no kings, and um, they're after Moses and after Joshua. So it's a kind of a unique period of time, and there were a whole bunch of judges that went to war for Israel, but they were also spiritual leaders trying to help Israel to be, to be blessed and to be very, very faithful. So let me get to give you one of the 13 examples. It's in, I'm going to start with chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. So here we go. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God, and they served the Baals and the Asherahs. This is a big no-no. This fires up God Almighty. In fact, in the Ten Commandments, he said, no other gods, no no graven images, and the Baals and the Asherahs were directly, diametrically opposed to God's incredible will. This was basically spitting in the face of God to follow the Baals and the Asherahs. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, so he sold them into the hands of Cushan, Rishathom, king of Aram, the harem, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. Okay? But when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer. Now, here's one of the judges. I'm just giving you an example right now. Here's one of the judges. His name is Athaniah, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. The Spirit of the Lord came on him so that he became Israel's judge, and he went to war to help rescue the Israelites, all right? So the Lord gave that big name, that big king, into the hands. You try to pronounce that about three times, all right? It's a lot easier on paper. Uh, In the hands of Othaniel, who overpowered him. And so the land had peace for 40 years until Othaniel, the son of Kenaz, died, and then the cycle starts all over again. What cycles are you in? What cycle do you know it's not good for your family, it's not good for your finances, it's not good for your faith, it's not good for your future, and if you could get out of it, you would. All of us in this room have been in some of the same unhealthy cycles, and we know that we know that we know that we shouldn't be in them, and we know it's not helping us any. And so the Israelites do this 13 times in this one book, they do it two more times in two other books, a total of 15 times the Israelites repeat this exact cycle. Look at this, number one, the Israelites sin. That's how the cycle starts. We've turned away from God. We're going to follow the Baals. We're going to follow the Asherahs. We're going to follow something else because it hasn't rained in a while. 
And because it hasn't rained in a while, we're going to pour our hearts out to the rain god. And our women can't get pregnant. And we got to have lots of boys so we can have lots of farms and lots of girls so they can marry, have more farms. And so we're going to pray these other gods of fertility. And so Israelites, they, they turned away from God. Number one, they sinned. Number two, God then punishes them by sending an enemy, an enemy to oppress them. Number three, They serve an enemy for a number of years. You'll see this as you read the book of Judges this week. The book of Judges, same cycle over and over and over and over and over again. Number four, they cry out to God, oh God, we messed up again, 13th time, 14th time. And you and I have done exactly the same thing, haven't we? We've cried out to God, we've messed up. Anybody in the room messed up more than three or four times? Same, same problem, more than, same exact issue. Yeah, the rest of you are in denial. All right, number, they cry out to God. They ask for forgiveness. Lord, we cry out to you. Number, number five, here's the judge. And you'll see these judges in the book, in the book of Judges. They, they cry out. He sends them a judge. God sends them a judge to deliver them. Number six, the judge conquers the enemy. So they get some relief for a season. And then number seven, peace for a season until Israel sins again, and the cycle starts all over again. Already, you have figured out some of your unhealthy cycles. And already in this room, and I don't have to identify them for you, but already in this room, we all know some of the areas of our lives that are not necessarily under the authority of Scripture or under God's incredible uh, providential hand. We've already kind of assessed some of that uh, in in the room. So before we keep going with you personally, I want to tell you where this all started and how these influences got to to play such an impact on their lives. Remember the Romans 12 too? It says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Why? Because the patterns of this world don't have your best interests in mind. The patterns of this world will not foster your future. And so the world would be culture or CNN or, you know, your your heathen uncles or aunts or whoever they are in your family. But but you see that that's the, the pattern. The world has a pattern. And the world has a system. And sometimes it's diametrically opposed to the patterns or to the systems of Scripture. So Paul says in Romans 12 too, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Well, so how does, that, how does that happen? How do I get the world out of me so I can live the kind of life that I really know is going to be great? How do I get that out of me and get God in me so I've got the right systems? Well, here's where it started. If we go back to the book of Judges in the first chapter, in the first chapter, I want you to, see if, I want you to figure this out. I'm not going to give you the answer yet. See if you can figure out the problem and why it became a reoccurring pattern in their lives. So here's Judges chapter 1. It says, The Lord was with the men of Judah. That's good. They took possession of the hill country. That's good. But, anytime you see a word but, that's not good, right? That's never good when you see but. But they were unable to drive the people from the plains, okay? The Benjamites, however did not drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem, okay? But Manasseh did not drive out the people of Beth Shan, okay? 
When Israel became strong, they pressed the Canaanites into forced labor, but, but, but they never completely, what? Drove them out, all right? Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites living in Gezer, but the Canaanites continued to live there among them. Neither did Zebulun drive out the Canaanites living in Katron and the Hall, so these Canaanites lived among them. Nor did Asher drive out those living in, and I'm not about to try to pronounce all those babies right there, but just take it for granted those are places, all right? He didn't drive them out. What, what's the reoccurring pattern here? Those influences are still there. Those influences are still within them. You want to change your life and you don't change the people around you, you won't change it. You want to change your life and you don't change the systems of your life, you won't make changes. All the changes that you want, if all the culture of the world is still on you and in you and grabbing you, you won't ever fulfill the great purpose God has for you. That's just what the scriptures say. Don't get mad at me, okay? Look at the next one. The Asherites lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, because they didn't drive them out. Neither did Naphtali drive out those living in those places, Okay? The Amorites can find the Danites. Now, the Amorites are the bad guys. The Danites are the good guys. So the bad guys can find the good guys to the hill country, not allowing them to come into their own plane. They couldn't even come to their own plane. All right? Let's go to chapter 2. The angel of the Lord. This is how it all started. With all this background, they're setting themselves up for failure. All that background sets them up for 13 repeated unhealthy cycles in their lives. What's in your background? What's still living in you and among you that is preventing you from becoming the great man or the great woman that God has called you to be? The angel says to them, I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And I led you into the land I swore to give to your ancestors. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land but you shall break down their altars. In other words, they shouldn't be influencing you. You should be influencing them. Yet you've not, yet you have disobeyed me. Why why have you done this? After Joshua dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnah Harris in the hill country of Etham, north of Mount Gash. But here's the next verse. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up. Another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor knew what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. See, we're back to that same cycle again. And they forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. They, they aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him, and they served the Baals and the Asherahs. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. See the same cycle over and over again? You ever wonder in your life, why things are going really good, things are going well, and then all of a sudden, because things are going well, you're not on your knees anymore? 
And then after a little while, season, things don't go as well anymore. You ever wonder why things are going really, really good? Because you're in church, and you're with your family, and you're taking communion, and you're giving, and you're loving, and you're serving. And then after a season, you kind of like, well, you know, I got the whole church religious thing down. You kind of back off. And then like six months later, things aren't going quite as well. You ever wonder how that happens? It's a pattern. It's a cycle that people get themselves into. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress, and the Lord raised up judges who saved them. So every time you're in great distress, and even though he's been so faithful to you, and you decide for a little while to go off the reservation for whatever reason, he's still faithful again. You cry out, I blew it, I messed up, I knew better, I shouldn't have, please forgive me, I won't ever do this again. And God's merciful. He's an incredible God. And you see this pattern of God, God's pattern, over and over and over and over, his incredible loyalty and his amazing faithfulness. That's the God that we serve. Wow. So how do we stay faithful? How do we get in that zone where we live for God and we've got the power of God and the peace of God in our lives? Well, let's go back to you for just a minute. And let's again kind of analyze like maybe some of those unhealthy patterns. I think step one is, is you got to identify them. The first thing you got to do is you got to kind of figure them out. And you go, well, I don't know. If I knew, I'd, I, if I knew what they were, I'd, I'd make some changes. Well, let's, let's extrapolate that for just a second. What do other people around you say? What, what do the people who are trustworthy, significant in your life, what, what do your parents say? What, what does your spouse say? What, what do some of your best friends say kindly? And so you go, well, I, I, I don't know. Well, just, just play the video backwards. And just, you know, I've, I keep ruining these relationships. Why do I keep ruining these relationships? I, I keep losing jobs. I've, I've had eight jobs in the last three years. Why do I keep losing jobs? I don't really have any friends why don't I have any, fr- I make great money. How come I never, I'm always in debt. How come I never seem to get out of debt? And you just, you just rewind the video. You just start to begin to, to look at your life and go, okay, there are some patterns in my life that are preventing me from having the great future and the great faith that God has in store for me. And so then you look at, okay, all right, those are some unhealthy patterns. Now, Now, what do I do? How do I make some of those changes in in my life? So I'm I'm always in debt. I'm in debt. Well, you look at that and you go, the Scriptures talk more about money than it does anything else. And so if I really got focused on what the Scriptures say about money and I really started studying the Scriptures about money, I, I probably would get out of debt, wouldn't I? I would start saving money and I would start investing in money. And I would look at, you know, I've got a very critical spirit. I'm in the pattern of criticizing everybody. I criticize everybody. I criticize everything. And I look at the Scriptures. And the Scriptures are saying, you know what? We're not to be critical of one another. Rather, we are to encourage. We're family. We're, we're to encourage each other. 
or I'm so jealous. I'm, I'm insanely envious of everybody. You know, when my, my, my sister gets a new dress, you know, if you're a lady, I'm so jealous. If you're a guy, you know, the guy gets a new car. I wouldn't use the boat as an illustration because boats, you know, you shouldn't be envious of somebody else's boat. I'm not going to use that as an illustration. That's not in the Bible. We'll leave that out of here. But, but you know, some guy gets a new, a new boat or a new car or a new, you know, the Bible says rejoice. Rejoice with those who have something to rejoice about. Or, or I, I'm in a pattern, you know, where I'm just, I'm, I'm just not being sexually wise. I've made some, some unwise decisions sexually. I'm in an unwise, the Bible goes, man, there's all kind of, let's get out of that. Let me teach you how to have guardrails. Let me teach you how to be faithful. Let me teach you to get you where you really want to be. And there's all these incredible paths that the Scriptures teach. And the Scriptures give us the guardrails and the guidelines for this amazing, fruitful, productive living. Oh, if it was just that easy. If it was just that easy. But it is kind of what old Albert Einstein said, right? Everybody know Albert? Isn't he a handsome dude? Okay, He and Donald Trump have the same hairdresser. Okay? <laughs> That was not a political statement. That was just, you know, some comic relief. But Albert Einstein, about his definition of insanity, how how does it go? You keep doing the same things and you expect different results. You're just nuts, okay? You're crazy, right? We all know that. And and so what, what do we do? How do we make these changes? Well, here's the bad news. The bad news is all those patterns, all those unhealthy patterns, they're still in your brain. Neuroscience teaches, and I'm into all this, neuroscience teaches, because I'm trying to figure out how do people change. Neuroscience teaches that all those patterns, they're still there. That's the bad news. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Okay. The good news is they can be rewired. The good news is they can be overrun. They can be, they can be overcome. Let me give you this illustration. The best illustration I can give to this is you buy an old house. You buy an old house and the wiring is, you know, 50 or 60 years out of date. There's no, you don't have a prayer of passing the inspection. And so what, what an electrician does is he goes in there and he begins to cut off the power. Those old wires, he cuts the wires. He cuts them. He cuts them to the fuse box. He cuts them in different places. And so now they're dead. They're not live. They're not hot. And he goes back into the house, and he runs new wires through the studs, through the insulation, through the drywall, whatever, and hooks up an entire new house. The old wiring's still there. It's just inactive. And now what happens is there's new circuits, and there's new circuits that now run throughout the entire house. That's what God has in store for you. It's best not to sin. It's best not to make these mistakes. It's best not to royally go off the reservation because if you do, those circuits and those patterns are still in your brain. However, however, the great news is God is so powerful and so merciful to you and I that he can give us new, new circuits and new routes. And so that same scripture verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed How? by the renewing of your mind. And it's the mind that gets renewed. And so let's set up some new patterns. Let's talk about some new cycles that we want to have in our lives. And I want to give you six of these kind of real quickly. If you're a note taker, they're in the bulletin. Here's number one. 
Number one, this is what high performers do. See, high performers figure out what isn't working, that didn't work, and they don't go back. It doesn't work to stay up too late. I'm not going to stay up all night long. I'm going to get a good night's rest. It doesn't work to overspend. It doesn't work to overeat. It doesn't work to be mean to people. It doesn't work to to cause criticism. It doesn't work to avoid conflict. High achievers figure out this isn't working, and they never go back. So high achievers, successful people, fruitful people, they've predetermined to spend time daily and weekly with God. Now, you would expect me to say that because I'm a preacher. I get that. But I'm telling you, God has your best interests in mind. And so when you spend time with God like this, like you are this morning, God's going to give you new circuits and reinforce the healthy circuits in your life. And you spend time, then you download the app and you read the scriptures during the week. This is why we have Bible studies and connect groups and we do all the things that we do. But it's so that you can have the right patterns in your life. You spend 15 minutes a day with God, your life will be forever changed. But you see, I can't make you do that. I can tell you that. But I can't help you tomorrow morning at 6.30 in the morning when you get out of bed. I can't make you read the Bible. I I can't do any of that. That's all up to you. I'm just giving you the right information and and telling you, listen, I'm serving you filet mignon on a silver platter. Number two, high achievers, fruitful people have predetermined their values with people. This is how we're going to treat people. This is how I'm going to pay people. This is how I'm going to be generous with people. This is how I'm going to honor people. High achievers have predetermined how he or she is going to treat the other people in their lives. Number three, successful, fruitful people have predetermined a financial plan. Every once in a while I hear about a preacher who says, you know, I don't preach on money. I never preach on finances. I just think he's dumber than a box of rocks. (laughs) Because the Bible talks more about money than it does anything else. Now, who in this room would like to earn less money this year than last year? Anybody in the room like to make less money? No. Who in this room would like to make more money this year than last year? That's all? Let's, let's, let's do this again. The rest of you are going to be poor. Who in this room would like to? Yeah, we, we all would. This is the amazing thing about reading the Bible. You read the Bible, you will make more money. You read the Bible, you will save more money. You read the Bible, you will invest more money. You read the Bible, you will give more money. Everything, it's a predetermined plan. And, and fruitful people, successful people, learn what the Scriptures say about money And they just, well, you can figure it out for yourself. Number four, predetermined, successful people, fruitful people have predetermined to pursue and maintain sexual integrity. Now, nobody just kind of drifts into sexual integrity. There are all kinds of unhealthy patterns of sexual integrity, all kinds of unhealthy patterns. And yet you read the scriptures and you become a part of the family of God. And very quickly you begin to realize that God has great things to say, great things in store for you. And he wants to protect you. Number five, fruitful people have predetermined to approach life as a contributor rather than a taker. And everybody in this room, you're either a contributor to life or you're a taker. 
And if you're a taker, you go to every situation looking for what you can get. If you're a contributor, you go to the family reunions or whatever, go to work, go whatever. You are figure, trying to figure out, how can I make this better? How can I contribute? And everybody in the room has to figure out, I'm either a taker or I'm a contributor. I can tell you this. Takers are never happy. I can tell you this. Sometimes contributors will get taken advantage of. That's absolutely true. But I'd much rather get taken advantage of a couple times in my life than to be a taker. Number six, highly successful producers, fruitful people, they learn how to get better with family and with work. Let's, let's look at this. If you're trying to raise children and you keep doing something that isn't working, a high producer goes, this isn't working. I've got to figure out something else. See, nobody comes home from the hospital with all these little babies and says, now how in the world can I screw up this kid's life? Nobody does that. <laughs> nobody ever does that. How can I make their life miserable and ensure they'll have 25 years of counseling? Nobody ever does that, right? You see, it's not a heart issue. It's a skill issue, right? So highly successful, fruitful people figure out, you know what? This isn't working. I need to try this. And so we learn. We learn how to do better. Nobody, I've never married anybody. I've never married anybody yet who said, you know what, I want to have a lousy marriage. I, I, everybody, my family has great marriages, but I'm going to have a lousy marriage. Nobody does that, right? Now, sometimes it's the old marriage becomes, you know, it's ideal, then it becomes an ordeal, then I want a new deal. I, I get that, all right? I, I, I get that. But, but, but nobody wants a bad marriage. Everybody wants a great marriage. So learn how. How do I have a better marriage? Well, this isn't working in marriage. Anybody in the room, a few things aren't working in marriage? Nobody raised their hand on that one. I love that. That is chicken, all right? So smart, actually, very smart. You're sitting next to your spouse. Um, you want to learn. You want to, same thing with work. You, you want to learn. All right, Here, here's, here's everybody's life in five chapters. My life, your life in five chapters. Chapter number one. I went out for a walk, and I fell into a hole. These are the patterns that you're in. I fell into a hole, and it took me a long time to climb out. Chapter two. This is your life. This is my life. The patterns, the unhealthy patterns. I went out for a walk, and I fell into a hole, same hole, and it took me a long time to climb out. Chapter number three. I went out for a walk. I saw the hole. I see that baby. It's right there. I got too close to the hole, and I fell in the hole. I'm in the hole. And it took me a long time to climb out. Chapter number four, I went out for a walk. I see the hole. It's right there. I went around that baby. I'm not getting close to that. But here's what we really want. It's chapter number five. I went out for a walk. I went down a different street. Okay? That's what you want. That's what you want. And that's what the gospel provides. So, so in your life, where do you need to go down a different street? Lord, I've never confessed you as Christ. I've never confessed you as Lord and Savior. That's a different street. That's a beautiful street. Maybe this afternoon at 6 o'clock tonight, it's time for you to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never been baptized into Christ. We're going to baptize a whole bunch of people this afternoon in the Gulf of Mexico. 
maybe tonight is your night to give your... Here's what baptism is. It's identifying with the greatest event in all of history. You die to yourself, you bury your past, you raise to walk to a new life symbolically. That's what Christian baptism is. Maybe for some of you in this room, it's one of these very specific pieces on the, on the screen right now. There's some change that needs to take place in your life. You're successful. You're doing great. But if you're really honest, there's some patterns of your life that God has, if you got rid of those and you got some new circuits and you got the Holy Spirit and you're in the zone with God, do you have any idea what he has in store for you? Do you have any idea the great things that God had? It's in the book of Judges. He had all these wonderful things in store for them. And it's the same with your life. It's the same with my life. God has greater things in store for you and for me than we could ever dream or ever imagine. And so today, I'm going to turn my heart to you. Today, I'm going to have some new circuits. I got some junk back here, these ites that are still back in here, the Jebusites and the Canaanites and the Amorites, and somebody said the termites. But anyway, all these ites back here. I got some of these ites. It's time to get rid of them. So I'm going to get rid of them. I'm going to cut those circuits. I'm going to get rid of those circuits in my life. And I'm going to put some new circuits in, and I'm all wired up for Jesus. What a grand opportunity you and I have. What a merciful Father we have. What a gracious, loving God we serve today. So I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down front. I'm going to ask you before you stand, though, to pick one of these. Pick one. What's, where, where do you need improvement? Where do you need growth? Where do you need to... So you pick one of these that you're going to work on, you're going to embrace, and when you find it and you have it, you stand up, and then I'll, I will pray for us. So prayer partners, come down front right now if you would, and when you find your one, we're going to, you stand you, you make a decision. You pick one. You pick one of these, if you would. Oh, Almighty God, we serve you, and you're merciful, and you're graceful, and you're kind. I pray for those in the room that have never been baptized. What a great baptismal service we're going to have tonight at Honeymoon Island Beach. Lord, may you give us just great weather And may you help the ones in this room who are still on the fence to cross over. I want you, God, your Holy Spirit, to challenge them to a brand new circuit, to go down a different street. What are the things in our lives that need to be cut? What are the circuits that need to go dead? And what are the circuits that need to go live and hot? We love you. We worship you. And we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.